0: So we're going to start with a little competition, okay? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to hear, hopefully, please. You're going to hear an audio clip uh, of an event and you're going to hear a crowd reaction and you have to tell me what the event is. Okay? So let's see if this is going to work. Are you ready? Game yeah. on. Oh, 270 <laughs> 6463 so, How's that whoa, 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 whoa. Don't give it away. Does anyone know? Tennis. It was tennis, but I went blah, blah, blah over the name because the name was mentioned, so you might have heard it. Anyone know what tennis match, Aiden? Murray, you know, no, no, not Andy Murray winning the Olympics. Not Andy Murray, full stop. <laughs> Radhikanu, here we go. Well done, Heidi. There she is. Yeah. Oh, well. Six, four, six, three. I'm sorry you can't see so well. much She <laughs> went 10 yes. rounds without dropping a set Very good, right, okay What a nice smile she's got, right? Um, the next one, are you ready? Is that a weird thing to say? She's got such a lovely smile That doesn't feel like a weird thing to say Well, it, anyway here's the, ne- here's the next one, are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah Anyone? It is indeed the end of Hamilton. Here we go. Oh, you can't see it, it's so dark. Sorry, we need to get a higher contrast projector, don't we? There we go. And then the crowd stand up on their feet in rapturous applause. Right, next one. Here we go. Ready? All they've got to do is get it into touch. The ball goes back. The captain. It, as far as he can. it was indeed, I wish Dan was here, this is the sort of thing Dan does when it's the other way around, so it was indeed Scotland beating England at rugby, what here it is. Do is get it into touch, the ball goes back, the captain That's a good fires it as far as he can. Oh Scotland. Right, okay, two more, you ready? Here we go. No, I'm yourself. It's all about lifting that beautiful trophy up. the managers are shaking hands. Well, there it is. So did you catch the accent of the commentator? Certain Steve McManaman, who used to play for Liverpool, and that was Liverpool winning the Champions ah, no, League. Right, so, Let's just watch this one. It's all about lifting that beautiful trophy off, the managers are shaking hands. Ah, well, there it is. It's Liverpool's night. Yeah, silverware is the currency of success in football. It is Liverpool's night, and let's hope it'll be Liverpool's day today in the, cu- the cu- in the League Cup final. Anyway, last one, different different kind of event this time. Crowd first this time, then the noise. Grand Not the Grand National. Interesting guess though. What might else make that deep rumbly sound? Sorry? Not SpaceX, but you're in the right ballpark. So I'll give you it's a rocket launch, and actually, it's the launch of Apollo 11 some time ago. There you go, amazing, right? So, with all these clips, right? Now, some of them you'll be interested in, some of them you might be completely disinterested in, but we can understand the reaction of the crowd in these clips. I've got one more to try on you. Last last quiz uh, question. Let's see if this is gonna work or not. Right, you ready? The event and then the cheer. Woohoo yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it is Oh weird dog Woo-hoo. And now you can see why I was out of breath, because I was running around desperately praying that the the audio, the, the internet would work for me to get that video clip downloaded to my phone. Now, here's the question. Why was the congregation cheering there? In that moment. Sports, we can understand that. Amazing artistic performances, yes, we get it. Historic events of incredible human ingenuity and achievement, yes. But a few guys in a rather cold, icky-looking bathtub with, in a, with a few spiders in there. That's because I wasn't involved. I always make sure the spiders are gone. What is that all about? What's with the sense of joy and celebration? There. Joy. That's what we're thinking about today. This is week three of our series on the fruit of the Spirit. We're looking at each of the fruit mentioned in Galatians 5, one a week. Uh, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I got them right, in the right order. I was telling you guys that sometimes I have a panic when I say that I'm gonna get them wrong and seem like a really bad pastor. That's a bad pastor if you can't name the fruit of the Spirit right there. Um, So far, we have looked at goodness and self-control. And so continuing the borderline unbearable lack of regard for the order they were originally listed in, today we are looking at joy. Joy. Now, just some important context, just briefly, as we looked at in the intro week, what's going on in, the fruit of the Spirit are found in Galatians chapter 5. What's going on there in that passage? Well, what's not going on is that Paul is saying, hey, listen, here are some great qualities. You need to do these things. And if you do these things, then you'll be a really good Christian, and God will be pleased with you. (laughs) That's not, don't clip that bit and put it online, because that would be really bad. That's not what is going on. These are, of course, great qualities in a person. I don't think any reasonable human being would disagree with that. But the point of Galatians 5 is that these are what God brings about in the life of a follower of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. God working in us, bringing about this fruit of the Spirit. So, the Christian life, friends, I don't know if you may be new to hearing some of Sasha's story and wondering what this is all about. The Christian life is about God's kindness to us that we don't deserve. The Bible calls this grace, and it's by grace that God opens our eyes to see Jesus as the awesome savior that he is. And it's in God's kindness that as we stay connected to Jesus, to remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago about keeping rooted in Jesus. As that happens, God in his grace brings about these beautiful qualities in our lives. They should grow, this fruit should grow as we remain connected to Jesus. Not because we can pull it off, in our own strength, but because we're connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, who called himself in John chapter 15, the true vine. And in God's grace and kindness, through the power of the Spirit, as we stay rooted in Jesus, this fruit grows in us. And one of those things that should grow in the life of someone who knows Jesus is joy. Joy. What is joy? Well, we've tasted of it already this morning, I believe. But let's just take a moment and just ponder what it is. Most of the dictionary definitions that I could find referred to it primarily as a feeling or an emotion evoked, as for example, Merriam-Webster says, by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Now, when you look at the Bible, those things are true, but that's not all that joy is. One dictionary definition referred to joy as, quote, a state of being, which I thought was getting closer, but then it said it was a state of happiness. And joy in the Bible is deeper than just happiness. Here's a a whistle-stop tour of a few passages on joy in the Bible. And before I start this whistle-stop tour, I've just realized I need another book. There's a book on my desk called Prayer in the Night. Would you mind grabbing it for me? Thank you so much. So here's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then in case we missed it, he said, again, I say rejoice, which are lovely words, but they're remarkable words when you consider where he's writing them from. Paul is in prison as he's writing those words. So that's more than just an emotion or a state of happiness. In Hebrews 12, we're told that Jesus endured his death on the cross for the joy that was set before him. Thank you. For the joy that was set before him. Remarkable. So again, it's not not just some fleeting state of smiley face. Jesus endured the cross of Calvary for joy. was coming. In James 1, we are encouraged to listen to this. Count to all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. All joy, trials and struggles in your life. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So, next time you stub your toe, or next time someone cuts you off, in traffic, or next time you get spoken to meanly by someone, or reality is far harder than that, the scriptures say, count it all joy, because even in that testing moment, God is at work reshaping you, refining you. In 1 Peter 4, Peter writes to Christians saying, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Instead, he goes on, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So do you see we're getting just deeper and deeper into these profound, mysterious, beautiful, glorious ideas, these realities. It's like we were thinking about with Sasha's baptism there, how he was identifying with Jesus' death and resurrection as he came out of the the water. So in a similar sense, we can rejoice in our sufferings because in that, We are identifying with Christ Jesus. So as we are identified with him in his sufferings, we know that we will be identified with him in his victorious resurrection life. So we can see that our joy is found not in whatever event we are facing or any feeling that we might naturally encounter as we go through life, but our joy is way more fundamentally rooted than that. It is rooted in who God is. It's rooted in what God is has done. It's rooted in what that means for you and me and us for now and forevermore. This is why the Bible is full of amazing passages like the following, where it says, listen to these promises in Psalm chapter 30. Weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Maybe you're in that darkness of night at the moment, and, and there's that weeping. Joy's coming. It's coming. Hold on. Psalm 126, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Habakkuk 3, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. What I love about these verses is we don't need to act like everything is okay but we're finding deep, lasting joy in the midst of struggle. So here's the question, and it's it's not a flippant one, it's a really serious one. Can God's people in Ukraine today know God's joy? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. In the most awful of circumstances. In fact, you may have seen some videos kicking about social media of people kneeling down and praying and of people gathering together and singing hymns and songs of praise, rejoicing in the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. That's because their joy is not flimsy or passing or fading, but it's deeply rooted in God. Can you know joy this week, even in the difficulties that you're facing? Yes, you can know joy. Can you know joy in Even if you are struck by some devastating, unexpected news this week. Yes, you can. That is what joy is. It's not a fleeting emotion. Not a passing sense of happiness. But it's that deep sense of well-being and blessing in God. That if everything else fails, God is Enough, And that God will carry us through whatever we're facing. And it's confidence that the story's not over yet. And it's confidence that we will know the fullness of new life and eternal blessing on the final day. And all of that wells up in what today's passage that Marjorie read for us a minute calls joy inexpressible. And filled with glory. I love that description. First Peter one, first Peter chapter one verse eight. It's the only word where that word inexpressible is used in the whole of the New Testament. Joy that is inexpressible, un- unspeakable. Can't even get my head around it. Unutterable. And joy that is filled with glory, it's that deep sense of the fullness of God in me, even in the midst of pain and hardship, that is so much more than just a cheer at a fun event of one sort or another. And there's so much hope in this, because let's be honest, our world and our lives are not just full of cheering and smiles and happiness and fun. Some of you know that I've been really helped by this book uh, called Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren. Uh, I really recommend it to you. And um, in this book, there are a couple of amazing passages about this mingling of joy and pain. And if it's okay, I'd just love to read a couple of passages to you. So page 45 from this book, she writes, one of my favorite pictures of the people of God is found in a little noticed passage from the book of Ezra. At the end of the exile, the foundation of the temple was finally laid. There was a big celebration as the people of Israel gathered to worship and to mark God's restoration. This was the moment they had waited for, the rock and mortar of their redemption. And yet, Ezra tells us, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise. It says there in Ezra 3. And then Harrison Warren goes on like this, dignity be damned. These were people who knew how to celebrate and mourn their losses at the same time. Even in this moment of triumphant restoration, a scar remained and it was worth weeping over. And then on page 52, she speaks of the end of the Bible. She says, quote, The end of the Bible turns to the end of time. And John describes a breathtaking moment when God will wipe every tear from his people's eyes. Revelation 21.4. When we finally see God face to face, we will be made whole and there will be no more death or crying or pain. All things will be set right. But wait, not until we have one last long cry. Redemption itself does not skip over the darkness, but demands that every last tear run. Christians believe that a place of eternal joy not only exists, but is more real than the diminished place of sorrow and pain we know now. The image of God wiping away our tears could, of course, be a metaphor, a statement that all things will at last be well. But what if it's not strictly poetic language? What if in the face of our maker, we get one last chance to honor all the losses this life has brought? What if we can stand before God someday and hear our life stories told for the first time accurately and in their entirety with all the twists and turns and meaning we couldn't follow when we lived through them? What if the story includes all the darkness of suffering, all the wounds we've received and given to others, all the horror of capital D, death, And we get to weep one last time with God himself. What if before we begin to live in a world where all things are made new, we weep with the one who alone is able to permanently wipe away our tears? I'm just so grateful to God that we don't need to sweep our suffering, our sadness, our depression, our pain, our loss, our grief under the carpet. We bring it all to God. God can meet you in your place of pain today and through your tears bring you deep and lasting joy. That's glorious. But it's not all the Bible says about joy. Sometimes, in an effort to underline that joy is not just happiness, we can swing the pendulum too far the other way. There is a real sense of celebration and happiness and noisy communal gladness in the way the Bible speaks of joy that we just celebrated here, communal gladness and cheering. So just for example, in Luke chapter 15, it speaks of the rejoicing in heaven over just one sinner who repents. And what's the picture that we're giving us to what that's like? It's the gathering of neighbors and friends and celebrating in that moment. Later on in Luke chapter 15, it's feasting and gifts and hugs and kisses and celebration. This is the rejoicing that we can have in God. In Psalm 96, we're told, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the the forest. Sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. That's noisy. That's big and powerful joy being expressed. That's full on. That's creation-tastic. That's incredible joy. In Psalm chapter 16, David says to God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, Yes, it is awesome that God's joy can grow as fruit in our lives through difficulty and pain. But let's not lose sight of the fact that God's goodness brings about celebration and cheer and happiness. Sometimes with joy, we need to notify our face Sometimes with joy, we need to notify our cheekbones and our eyes and our muscles and our voices and our hands and maybe even Scottish people, Aberdeen people, prim and proper people, maybe we need to notify our bodies bodies, of the joy that we have in God. There are one or two in this church who get their groove on in our worship times. You know who you are, and I love it, and I am praying that that will spread across our church. This needs to be the case. If people can jump up and down at a sporting event or jump to their feet and put their hands together at Hamilton, then we better know how to get a little more loosey-goosey in our praise and worship of this great God of ours in the passage that Marjorie just read for us there are some amazing truths listed that should bring us great joy truths which have everything to do with what has happened in Sasha's life and what happens to any follower of Jesus so here is what we're going to do we're going to come to a close of our message now and wait for it it's a 19 point conclusion I'm going to get through 19 points in, I think, three minutes. In the conclusion of this message, we're going to rattle through 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. And then we're going to read it together. Can you see that? If you can't, get your phone out, find YouVersion Bible app, get to 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. Here is the 19 point, and it's upsetting that it's not 20, A nicer number like 20 would have been better, but 1 Peter 1, 3 to 19, 19 points. Look at these things that we can celebrate. Why should we be joyful? Because of God's great mercy. We do not deserve life from God. He's been merciful to us in Jesus. He has caused us to be born again. It's not what you've done. It's not what I've done. I have done, it's what he has done, just as well, right? God is good and able. I, and you, I'm sorry to let you know, are not. So he has caused us to be born again. This is not just a a wee tweak here or there that God does in our lives, but God gives us a brand new start, a brand new life, and he gives us a living hope No matter what this world will throw at you, you can be confident in the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And it's not just any hope, friends. It's a living hope. Not dead. Not dead and done, but it's alive. It it carries us through life. It's active and available in our daily lives, no matter what this world would throw at us. How does this happen? It happens through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, it's not based on principles, ideas, clever, thought-out stuff. It's based in history. It's based on objective truth of what happened to Jesus Christ. And because of this, we have an inheritance. God has blessing for you, waiting for you beyond your wildest dreams. And what's going to happen to that inheritance? Is it going to disappear? No. It's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It's going nowhere. Nothing can come against what God has for you. It's kept in heaven for you. You know, just in case the imperishable, unfading, undefiled thing was was in doubt, God wants us to know it's not going to fade, and no one is going to steal it from you. And then just in case we were still not sure, it says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. No one's going to take your inheritance from heaven. No one is going to come at you. Your inheritance is safe, and you are safe by God's power. That is the case for Salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It's yet to come. God is not done with you. There's great hope and joy in that as well. Don't give up. We can rejoice because these trials strengthen our faith. How many testimonies have we heard where people have said, I have no idea why God brought this pain into my life, but through that pain, through that pain, he carried me through it. I saw that he was real. I saw that he wouldn't let go of me. How awesome is our great God? Let's keep going. Um, What number are we at? (laughs) Uh, The faith that God enables, this is point 14, by the way, if you're keeping track. This is point 14. The faith that God enables us to hold on to shows people how awesome Jesus is. When you endure through suffering by the power of the Holy Spirit, it shows that you're not placing your trust in money or friends or relationships or any of that stuff. Your hope is in Jesus Christ, who's never going to give up with you. Number 15, God has granted you faith. This faith to believe in Jesus, it's a gift to believe the good news of Jesus, even when we can't in our own strength. God grants us that gift. Uh, Though you have not seen him uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I lost one. You love him. This reality of our faith is not some transactional, abstract, arm's length thing, but this is about the amazing closeness with the living God. Point number 17 is this. You can rejoice because in one sense, this comes down to a simple reality of trusting in Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Then you can rejoice. Point 18 You can rejoice because this joy that we have is inexpressible and filled with glory. There's nothing like hope and joy in Jesus Christ. And then the final thing to mention is that all of this is bound up in Jesus' saving work. This is about Jesus saving us, taking us from despair to hope, from death to life, from sorrow to joy. So friends, as we stay rooted in Jesus, we will know joy. Wonderful, lasting, life-changing, amazing joy. So I'm gonna invite the band to come up just now and we're gonna stand and we're gonna read this passage together and I want you to read it with everything you've got, okay? Don't be quiet. I want you to be noisy when we're reading this passage and then I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna close in worship as we, uh, as we end our service. So please stand just now. And let's read 1 Peter 1... joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father, we thank you so much for the joy that we can know in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit as we keep rooted as the children of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for all he has done for us. And we pray, Lord, through suffering, through joy, through great moments like this morning, through the difficulties that may come our way this week, I pray that we would be a community of faith that knows the joy that we have in Christ Jesus, and that we would share that joy with people we come into contact with. Uh, Every week we pray, do that work in us. Holy Spirit, come now move among us, build us up, keep us rooted in Jesus, and may we know his joy today and forevermore. Amen.